You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hi, kids. Welcome in. Yes, it's time for another edition of Scatter Shooting. I'm your genial host and resident old guy, Randy Renner. And I'm Jeremy Griffin. This is the show where we talk about anything and everything worldly and And not of this this world. world. (laughs) You know, and uh, that's some of my favorite, favorite stuff when we talk about things that may not come from this world. And guess, guess who is admitting that that may very well be the case. I don't even know. Who is admitting it? Congress. Oh. Congress, mm-hmm. yes. Of course, they do drink a lot up there. But anyway, uh, this report from thehill.com. In Congress, where the legislation is drafted, debated, and enacted, clear and concise Definitions are of paramount importance as military air crews increasingly encounter unidentified flying objects. Lawmakers recently made several striking revisions to the definition of UFO. Wow. Key among them, the explosive implication that some UFOs have non-human origins all right non-human origins as first reported by researcher douglas johnson a draft bill approved uh, unanimously by the senate select committee on intelligence that just sounds stupid i was gonna say that's Uh, that's subjective right rebrands ufos as unidentified aerospace undersea phenomena wow expanding the definition to include objects in space and under the oceans or really big lakes, I suppose, also. Mm-hmm. And it significantly broadens the scope of a muscular, as they say here, new office tasked by Congress with investigating UFOs. The revised definition also includes transmedium objects, which, according to lawmakers, transition between space, the atmosphere, or the atmosphere and bodies of water. Because we've seen now a video that appears to show an object that's flying splash down and go underwater. And we've seen video of the other, of it happening the other way, of these, uh, what appear to be, you know, did you, you're, too young for this, but oh man, this it guy. was a it was a show called Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. It was oh. an Irwin Allen show that was in the '60s, kind of around the same time as Star Trek. And they had uh, they had a, a, a vehicle aboard the Sea View submarine called the Flying Sub uh, because it was it kind of had a it, was, it sort of looked like. A, uh, you know, one of those big, uh, like, manta rays. It, it kind of looked like that yeah. in design. And it was housed in the belly of the sea view. And then the doors can open and it can come out. And, and it can cruise around underwater like a submarine. But it can also rise to the surface and take off and fly. Nice. So that's why they called it uh, the extremely imaginative name of the flying sub. <laughs> but so that's what. You know, these things kind of appear to be. So maybe those 1960s shows are just now debuting on Mars or Alpha Centauri or something like that. And so they're like, aha, this is is how those crazy Americans do it. And so there we go. They just did it. But uh, they're talking about this. In in short, members of a key national security-focused Senate committee and in the House as well, believe that objects of unknown origin are demonstrating remarkably advanced technology by by moving seamlessly between space, air, and water. A report accompanying the legislation notes that transmedium threats to the United States national security are expanding exponentially. Wow. Mm. 
That's exciting. I know it's hmm. slightly scary too, but yes, well, it's, you know. it's definitely. Uh, and you know, you you kind of wonder. I mean, there's so many videos out there now showing this. It's really become hard to ignore, right? And and hard to say. Wow, you know, geez, that's a weather balloon. Clearly, uh, you know, like, I didn't say it, but you know, yeah, it's not they tried really to do that at Roswell in 1947, and we all know that wasn't the case. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a weather balloon, right? Jesse, uh, what's his name? Jesse something. Yes. <laughs> Jesse something. He was a major. I'm uh, having my first the, coffee uh, of the day with, right with, now. In so. the uh, Air Force, the Army Air Force, I think. Major the, Jesse Marcellus. Yes. Marcel. Marcellus. Jesse Marcel. Marcel? Marcel. All right. Google it. No, I believe you. Yes. I mean, I'll still Ma- Google it. Just Jesse Marcel. And, uh, you know, when, when that first broke, it was... They were calling it a flying saucer. It crashed, and there were bodies, alien bodies. And then the White House and the and Defense Department took over and said, no, we can't admit that we have that. It will panic the country. I, you know, I'm, I just was thinking the other day, it's like I'm, I'm really missing Travis Taylor, and I feel like <laughs> how far away are we from that Skinwalker Ranch? It's quite uh, a ways away. Yeah, right? we're probably we just finished we're it, probably we? quite a few months. My yeah. gosh, I don't know. I you know this whole world's so weird, dude. I, I just I just keep thinking like too much stuff is going on right now. Too too many things coming. You know, you've got CNN deciding to go centrist. <laughs> well, I'll kind of believe that when I see. I agree. It. I agree. I'll believe when but, I you see. Know, back it. in but the they day, they, they kind of used to be. They used to be, and and they go off and finally can uh, Stelzer or whatever his name, Brian. Oh, Stelzer. Brian. Brian. Yes. What an idiot. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it took him long enough, but it's almost like, well, we did what we needed to do. We needed to exist. Got this Joe way. Biden elected. That's right. And now Got we can a go back. Democrat to, Congress. And this is the thing, I, I can't help but just get full-on conspiracy-driven here. Not that that's weird for me, but, you know, I just think... <laughs> no, it just means it's Wednesday. I mean, Right, know, exactly. I, but, you know, I mean, gosh, between... There's just so much distraction. Like, to me, this feels like misdirection. Because you've got... Not that it's not legitimate. Just, just in general, you've got so much going on. And, <clears throat> I mean... <laughs> We're about to get into these midterms, man. The world is just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, it's crazy. That's for sure. And things, uh, you know, I'm, I never, I've always kind of had my reservations, though I've certainly been hoping and continue to hope that there will be a red wave in Mm -hmm. the midterms. But, uh, you know, you remember, uh, from the time we first started talking about this, that I had my doubts that that would actually yeah, happen. I still do. And I have, well, I have even more doubts than I did before. Right. Because of, uh, you know, the various things that have, that have happened. And, you know, when the media is on one side and, and really there's only one media company that's talking about the other side of things and perception tends to be reality. And when, a lot of the country is watching, you know, what's going on that's not truly really happening. Right. They're going to believe it. And so that's why I, you know, I wonder about uh, all of this as to what's going to, what's going to happen in uh, November. But, I, you know, I saw, and I forget if we talked about this on the show or if you and I just talked about it. Mm. The uh, Amazon Prime show called uh, The Man in the High Castle. You and I have talked about it, yeah, Uh, on the show. And it was something that I started to watch, Mm -hmm. and then there must have been something that came out. Maybe it was, you know, it was the new season of Yellowstone, or I don't know, something. Something got in the way. Something got in the way, and I only watched, like, I think, like, the first two episodes. I was really just kind of getting started with it. And I'd never read any of the books by Philip K. Dick, who's written... Uh, several alternative histories. Mm-hmm. But over the last 10 days or two weeks or whatever, I've watched the whole series, <laughs> four seasons worth, mm. and it is fascinating. Mm. And I'm going to, if you're currently watching Man in the High Castle, 
you might want to turn the sound down. Uh-oh. Uh, or if you're thinking about there, there may be some spoilers ahead, but I want to just go ahead and say this because I just thought it was so interesting. In the kind of the first two seasons, it's purely about, and I didn't read anything. I didn't read the book, so I don't know what happens in the book. I didn't read much, you know, on Wikipedia. You can go and see the kind of the storyboard for every seed. Didn't do that. So the first couple of seasons, you're really just kind of thinking, well, this is what happens if the Nazis and the Japanese won World War II and the U.S. is divided. Uh, You had the Germans controlling basically two-thirds, the eastern two-thirds of the United States up to the Rocky Mountains. The Japanese controlling the western third up to the Rocky Mountains. And the the Rockies were what they called the neutral zone, where there were basically, it was no man's land, no rules, you know, nobody's specific territory. And it was an interesting storyline as to kind of how things, you know, evolved and all like this. Then you get into season three and especially season four and you discover what's really going on, Mm. what this thing is really about. And it's about a parallel universe. Nice. It's actually about several parallel universes or Univi? Uh, universi, whatever it is. <laughs> Multiverses. Multi, there you go, multiverse. And um, one of the main characters is uh, uh, John Smith. That's of his name. People. Right, yeah. And in the storyline, he fights in World War II on the side of the Americans. You know, he was a captain in the army. And then uh, when the Nazis win... Uh, they detonate a nuclear bomb in Washington D.C., and you know that there is no, and that's that's the only nuclear weapon used in this alternate. Gotcha. You know, you know, they, the U.S. did not bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The Germans bombed Washington D.C., and the U.S. then surrenders. Mm-hmm. At, you know, with 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 that instead of the Japanese, and FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had been assassinated mm. earlier, and so had Winston Churchill. So those people did not exist in this alternate universe or in this. Uh, but the man in the high castle is is a guy who puts together some films because there are what they call travelers mm. from the other universes, mm-hmm. the other parallel universes, and one in particular is the one we live in now where the Allies won World War II. And these films get out and people are watching them and they're seeing victory over Japan and victory over the Nazis. And, Mm. you know, they're thinking, you know, how could this happen? This has all got to be fake. But then in a couple of them, people who are main characters see themselves in this. You know, and so they're like, well, now, (laughs) wait a minute. This is not my reality here. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't involved in, so how is this happening? And this was, of course, before CGI and all the stuff that we have now. This is, this, the show actually takes place in like 1962. Gotcha. And uh, so they end up traveling back and forth between these different universes and John Smith, who ends up becoming a, a Nazi, and he ends up becoming the Reichsführer wow. of the United States. He's in charge of the of the United States, and he he's a guy who's very conflicted mm. over some of this. But it's it's kind of like the, as you as you watch, there's the philosophy of well, inside all of us, there's good and evil, mm. and we kind of choose what path, you know, when there comes to a fork in the road, maybe, which path you take. Mm-hmm. And one of them leads to, you know, you're a good person, accomplish great things, that sort of thing. The other, you might be a good person, but you have some evil tendencies. Well, that's all the way it was with John Smith. He becomes a Nazi leader responsible for the deaths of millions of people. 
in the United States. I mean, they do the same things in the United States that they had done in Europe. Hmm. They have gas chambers set up, the, the Jews, the blacks, the, you know, various other, because, you know, it's an Aryan, you know, if, if you ain't white, you ain't right or whatever like that. Wow. And Hope so nobody he, takes this clip out of context. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the man in the high castle. <laughs> the man in the high castle, as Joe Biden would say. But uh, so, and there is a, uh, his son, John Smith's son, he has a son and two daughters. In the universe where he lives in, the son is beginning to show signs of muscular dystrophy. Mm. And so the Nazis were not only exterminating Jews and blacks and various others. Handicapped folks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or, you know, people that weren't Physically perfect. Challenged. Right. And so they end up taking his son away mm. to, an to an extermination camp. Well, John Smith finds some people who, you know, the, the Germans end up building what's called a portal mm -hmm. to get to the alternate universe where the Allies have won the war. John Smith goes to that and he finds out, and, and he has seen a film showing him and his wife and his son, mm. but not the daughters because in the other universe, they didn't have two daughters, they had one son. Mm. And he's very athletic. He's a football hero and all like this, totally healthy. And um, so he sees this, discovers this. He sends a Nazi agent through the portal to keep an eye on what's going on. And somebody else from there, the Nazi universe, travels to the other universe, meets up with that John Smith, and the Nazi agent tries to kill her, and then the, the good John Smith comes out to rescue the girl who's from the Nazi the, and the Nazi agent that the Nazi John Smith sent kills, kills the John, the good John Smith. Uh, this is, this is the appropriate. Yes. Music. Right. Right. <laughs> and so John Smith, you know, his, his, he, he wants to go to that other universe so he can be with his son. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he wants to probably take maybe his wife and his daughters to the other universe, maybe kill the wife that's in that universe <laughs> and, you know, live in a better world with his wife, his daughters, right. and the son. There can well, be only one. It turns out that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to kidnap the son from the good world. Bring him over. Bring him over. And his wife, who's more conflicted than he is, she thinks he's gone off his rocker and all like this. Bottom line, uh, the good the good guys win. They they go back to the Nazi uh, universe, and uh, they end up bombing the train a, a train that the Nazi John Smith was uh, was on. Mm -hmm. He escapes death there, but he's mortally wounded and one of the uh the girls who lives in the nazi world but she's a resistance fighter she tracks him down and she finds him kind of at the edge of a cliff basically mm -hmm. where he's just sitting there and he's seriously wounded probably going to die anyway and uh he's got his pistol and you know she you know, pulls the gun on him and all like this. And they talk because they had met each other in both universes. So they had a Rapport. kind of, a, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he, he sits there and he goes because he knows he has seen his good side. Yeah. Because in the, in the, the universe that's more like ours, where the Allies had won the war, he's seen these films that show him mm -hmm. as just being like a perfect dad. You know, fun-loving, helpful, great neighbors, everybody loves him, He's you know, all like this. And in the other world, everybody fears him, and he's responsible for the deaths of literally millions of people. Mm. And he's sitting there dying, but he does have his pistol with him, and he just kind of goes... There are so many me's 
out there, so many paths to take. And then he's just like, and I chose this one. Hmm. And that's where he goes, you know, and then he blows his head off. Wow. And so you're, you know, that kind of brings the whole thing. Is this John Smith, the man in the high tower? No, the, the no, about it? Oh, okay. no. The man, the man in the high castle was just high the guy castle. who was getting these films gotcha. that people, and he was just a guy who you know he had a background in movies, mm. and he was editing things together and all like this, and that was just the name of you know he was putting the stuff together in a barn. Actually, it wasn't really a you know a castle, <laughs> but. It's really well done, and it just kind of makes you think. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about oh, yeah. the possibility of a parallel universe Did you ever or see the, two or three. the show Fringe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You bet. Yeah, very similar. It was right. Yes, I, very similar. And very similar in that, you know, the characters it was kind of similar. You right. had a dark side and a bright side. Right. And uh, But you know what? I didn't, I really got into it, and it was... I'm apparently just easily distracted. Well, it got canceled. Well, right, but I didn't even see all of the last season because oh, something gotcha. had come out, I guess, that I got into, and I just got away from it like I did this. But, no, I was I was really into it at first. I was like, Oh, wow, yeah, it what was a great, great. Yeah. And... Um, I just and love then the I old just guy. Kinda, <laughs> right. Every time he goes, Yes. In 1954, I postulated that... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, all right, that's yeah. cool. You always start it's, off with that. Uh, it's and yeah, that's really, really good as also. And it's yeah, it's very, very similar to kind of what to kind of what this is. Yeah. Do um, you do you think like so? Just assuming for a minute that uh, there are uh, multiple parallel universes. How to me this whole this whole uh, concept is one that basically speaks to we are shaped more by our environment and our experiences than anything else, than an inward drive, right? Because it's laying out that slight change of circumstances here, boom, you're a totally different person. And I, I, I don't know, I've thought about this a lot. I feel like it's less about, and I always think it comes down to a key moment. Like a, a very key, like I can go back and look at my life and I can think of moments in time where I made a decision and I could have gone one of two ways. And sometimes it's really simple. Like with me and my wife, the first time I said you were right to her was really early on in our marriage. Well, it darn sure should have been. Well, just, <laughs> okay, let me say it a different way. The first time, I, otherwise. first time I said it and meant it. Oh, okay. Meant it. There's no, a difference. But I mean, it was, we were arguing and I just, I had this moment, this thought hit me and it all happened super fast. And it was, she's right. I'm wrong. Should I keep arguing or not? Like I can win the argument. I know that. So what do I do? You know? And I just said, oh, you're right. I'm wrong. And I could have just done mm -hmm. the norm, but it, but it, it began to me. It like, it was a discovery moment. It's like, man, this was so much better than the alternative because you think going into it, well, if I win the argument, then I'm going to be happy, but you're yeah. not because yeah. <laughs> right. she didn't win. <laughs> right. And she uh, might very well make your life miserable. Yes. And the thing is, here's what makes it worse. If you win the argument and you're wrong, then what did you do anyway? Like she's, she's right and didn't win. You've just made it worse. And then you start realizing that the argument should never be about us winning it's about or her or i winning it's about us winning so here's a problem we win over that problem so anyway the point is that key thing happened and i i i can i remember it so vividly and it was 26 years ago you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i i think in the same vein um i don't i don't know how convinced i would be that global circumstances would shift. Now, maybe that's not true. Like, if a zombie apocalypse happens right now, I know, I know that I am going to be uh, lethal in my approach in a zombie apocalypse. I mean, I know that. And I don't feel one ounce of concern about how I might emotionally respond to it. I think I'll be just fine. Short of having to take care of 
my own family if they went zombie. But I tell them all the time, if you go zombie, I will end you. <laughs> well, you know, in that situation, <laughs> I mean, really, in that situation, you're doing them a favor. Exactly. Exactly. It's you big know. picture thinking. Right. Right. And you're not, I mean, they're already dead if they're a zombie. Right. They just happen to be animated. Yeah. But they're yeah. gone. Right. Yeah. And so you just need to put them out of their misery so that they're not eating some other humans. Yeah. But do are. you think do you think it's more intrinsic in the human, or do you think it's more circumstantial, more external pieces? Well, I think it. I, I mean, it's definitely I, both. But yeah, I was going to say I think it, it's kind of both. I mean, you know, it depends on the person and the environment and how they react to, you know, what's going on. Like, for instance, in the man in the high castle, uh, John Smith in that alternate world where the Germans win the war, he was faced with a decision uh, as soon as that happened. The Germans said that all you guys in in the army, uh, we need you, you know, to because, I mean, this is America that we're taking over and nobody knows how to run things better than you guys do because, you know, you're here. You've always been here. So, you know, we're going to offer, if you will pledge allegiance to us, to Dal Fuhrer, <laughs> uh, then, you know, we'll let you live. If not, you're probably going to a concentration camp and eventually, you know, you're going to be slaves or you're just going to be killed, you know, yeah. whatever. So what do you want to do? Yeah. And of course, in faced with that, John Smith decided uh, and because he had a family at that time, he was already married, mm -hmm. had a baby on the way. And uh, so, you know, if he'd have been single, maybe he would have just said, you know what, screw you. Mm. Put me in a camp. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he had a wife who was pregnant. And he thought, okay, well, we're done for anyway. Yeah. Well, let me, I'll just go ahead and sign up. And he ended up rising through the ranks to mm. where in the last season he was the the guy, the Reichsfuhrer of uh, what I the United States. Interesting about that is it does presume that a person like that. What's weird to me about that is if I were in that situation, knowing precious little about this other than what you've told me, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I pledge allegiance to you guys, right? And then I would just destroy as many things as I could, right? You know what and I mean? They get in, they get into <laughs> that as it goes along, and mm. you see him conflicted and I've, I've seen a couple of guy named rufus sewell plays john smith and rufus is an english actor mm. as so many are now and when right. you're watching the show i mean i had no idea you know i mean you he has a regular sounds like a sounds like a regular american to me <laughs> and, uh, but he's from yeah. britain born and raised and he talks in a couple of the interviews i watched he talks about the character and how interesting it was for him to play John Smith, mm. because especially in the early going, John Smith is extremely conflicted mm -hmm. over what's going on because you can kind of see, and in some of the things he says, you can kind of see the, the good guy American trying to come out, mm -hmm. but he just, he just, you know, keeps going the other direction. And in the last season, his wife, who has come full circles, you know, she she got into the whole Nazi thing thinking that, well, this is a way to preserve our family. Mm -hmm. And the higher up that he went in the chain of command, the better off they're going to be. Better living conditions, less chance of something happening and, you know, all like this. But as she sees her husband going farther and farther into the abyss psychologically, she starts going the other way. Yeah. And seeing that this is not, this isn't who we are. And uh, in, it was probably in the final episode where she asks him, what, what happened to you? Mm. You know, you're so different. You have, totally changed from what you were what happened and you just see the look in his eyes that he's remembering back and he was just like and he says i just didn't know how to stop it 
Mm. And it's really well written, and you it, the character exploration and all of it is really fascinating. Yeah. So uh, I really, if anybody's out there, of course, I ruined it for you're probably, yeah, you, everybody. You're good now. You, you don't even have to watch it. Uh, got it. But it's, it's, it's really it's interesting. It's on Netflix? It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. So this, this makes me want to ask you a question because Lori and I have been watching Supernatural again, which is really long. We talked a little bit about this, I think. Yeah, but I've never, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's, I, I, I think you would like it because of the things. I we probably talk would. About. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but here's the question I want to ask you. You've probably heard this before, <laughs> but there, this is a uh, moral dilemma. And I just want to see what your answer is to this. So there's a train coming, and there are, uh, there's a split in the track, and. If you don't do anything, the train's going to hit five people who are tied up on the track. On the other side, uh, you can throw the switch, and the train will be diverted to another track where there's one person tied up. What do you do? Do I know any of those people? No. I I probably send it to the one. Yeah. Because that way, five people are being saved. Right. Right. One people, I mean, now obviously it's different if I know, yeah, you know, if you know somebody, if well, I if I know somebody, if if the if the one is over on the track and right. I know that person and I don't know any of the five, right? If I really like that guy, yeah, I'm gonna probably going to just knowing them isn't the default, though, right? If he's a <laughs> son of a gun, well, I'm like, okay, screw you, pal. You're like, Here I don't go. care if there's nobody on that track, right? Yeah, well, right. Well, here's the here's the interesting thing is that a lot of people pose with that question. Um, I, if I remember right, this this was a study done, and and it was something like forty percent allowed the five people to die. Really? Yeah, and and the the kicker was they were absolved in themselves because inaction was killed the five. It was only action. So their action cuz the five were going to go no matter what. That's how they, you know, it's it's laid out. The five are already destined to go. And so all you're doing is taking action to take care of the Take care, save the five, but you're 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 killing the one, and and I and I always found that interesting because it's to me it's an absolute no brainer, you know, just to your point that you would save the five and yes, let the one absolutely yeah. because and I think it what it speaks to to me is it speaks to uh, generally people's resistance to take responsibility because they could literally turn around do and walk away, and wa- okay. do nothing, and 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 it's not their fault. But to me, the minute that you recognize you could do something to change it, it becomes your fault. And that goes back to this conversation about, you know, the John Smith, uh, the Nazi version, was responsible for millions of people dying. And and so there's a level that says, well, you're in because you, because you were too focused on whatever you were focused on, you 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 were used to do that, even if you didn't pull the trigger, so to right, speak. Right, right, yeah. And and I just think that you know, for me, most decisions that come up, it's always built around what's the what's the broader appropriate end result here, and regardless of what it does to me or others, you know. Now there is one massive caveat to all of that, and it's my family. Um, and extended friends, which I consider the same, you know, to me, if you're, you're a good friend of mine, you are my family. And so, so the big problem for you might be if it's family on one side and a yeah extended family on, on the other side, yeah. although still, I'm sure that you would, you know, for me, your decision. Yeah, I, I think the thing is like when you start, it, it's, it's now become, it's a different equation. So if, if, if it's my wife on the track and killing her, over the five people on the other side, there's no question. But quite frankly, that number on the other side has to be gargantuan. I don't know that I would choose to throw the switch to kill her over the hundred people on the other side or a thousand people right? or 10,000 people. <laughs> I would, if there was a way where I could die, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would die faster than I would want to kill her. Right, right, sure. And sure. so, I mean, but that's just, that. I think that's the nature of a lot of husbands in general. But, but... 
you know, when you start thinking about it in those terms and, you know, this episode of Supernatural we were watching yesterday, it was kind of a similar scenario that there was a, a girl that she was willing to give her life and it would have saved everybody. And, but she was innocent, right? So the guys in charge decided, no, no innocent life is going to die. And the person who's just doing the simple math is like, everyone's going to die or she's going to die. That's the choice. And they're like, no, there's got to be another way. So they go with the other way and not everybody dies. Some people die more than one. And right. And automatically they made a bad decision, right? Technically. Well, then they get done with this whole thing and it works out better than they thought they get away. And then the, the person who was, um, you know, advocating for just killing the one comes knocking on the door. They weren't running together all the time. Come knock on the door and says, turn on the news and turn on the news. And after the fact, everybody died because once they got clear, you know, bad guys came in and did more work. So, you know, you look at stuff like that and you, you get blinded by emotion. You get blinded by, by relationship and things like that, you know? Well, here's the other thing that could have happened and it almost sounds like a twilight zone (laughs) episode what what you just did back in the old rod serling days oh yeah and if it had been maybe rod serling writing this what might have happened was that the five that you because you don't know any of them right the five that you saved all right turn out to be terrorists right (laughs) And they blow up a building and kill 2,000 people. Right. And the reason they're able to blow up the building and kill 2,000 people was not only because you made that decision, but that one guy yeah. that died, he was the one guy who could save him. Who could save, yes, who yeah. knew about the terrorist plot and who could have stopped it. Right. Dude, there's so many so levels to it. Right, yeah. They, they but teach it's all you, fascinating. Well, it is. Think about it. But they teach you that when you go and you take your concealed carry gun class, right? They teach you that they lay out the scenario. You, you're you in a Walmart parking lot. You're getting out of your car, and then you turn, and you, or you hear gunshots. You turn, and you see a man on the ground and a man standing over him with a gun. What do you do? And often, very often. You shoot often, the man with the gun. Yes. Yeah. And every time that's wrong as far as their scenario. But it's an undercover cop who's on the ground and it's the criminal who has the gun. Right. Yeah. Or vice versa. The criminal's on the ground and the cop's the one that's got him and holding him there. And you shoot the cop because you're like, no. (laughs) Or it's just a, you know, whatever the scenario. But, But what they teach you in that environment, they're trying to get you to understand that you cannot just look at a situation and think you have all the information. And, you, know, you know, yes, that's exactly right. And that's the problem sometimes when we look at a photograph mm-hmm. as opposed to a video. Because the photograph is a moment in time. Right. A frozen moment in time. And what the scenario you laid out is the perfect example. I mean, you when you're looking at the photograph, I mean, you could interpret it any number of ways. And then you watch the video where that still image was pulled from. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, the video shows something completely different than what you thought the photo was. Right. And even that's flawed. The video part can be flawed just as much because it's still an incomplete story. Right. Right. And now it kind of depends because I've I've seen... (laughs) There was a time when I saw a photograph this was at a football game and it appeared that the coach was yelling terrible things at a player because mm. he had a you know it kind of looked like he had a you know a bad look on his face and he was pointing at the kid and it it just had the look of you know, he's telling him, you really screwed up. And you're really, going to all, yes. really a Kel Gundy kind of look. Right. <laughs> but there was, you know, there was a sideline microphones there. Mm-hmm. And what it, it was the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. It was the coach. And just at that moment, it looked like he had a bad look at his face. The coach saying, 
that was the greatest freaking play I've ever seen. Right. You are tremendous. You know, all this. And so instead of, so by looking at the photograph, you thought, oh my God, you know, this coach is going to get fired. He's just embarrassing the kid. No, he was praising him, mm-hmm. saying it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. I'm telling you, and man. so, yeah, there's, it can go lots of different, it can go lots of different ways. But uh, I, I just thought, uh, you know, that was really, that was really interesting. And the, and the, and man in the high castle, we've talked, Seems like more about maybe a parallel universe, but there, they're multi ones. Multi, yeah. It was a multiverse, and the Nazis, and and they had some of the real characters, like it was, uh, Dr. Mengele was there. Hitler had survived, and Himmler and Goebbels and all those all guys. <laughs> Winners but, all, and and they there was a room where they had the the Earth set mm-hmm. up, but it was like their their Earth, mm-hmm. and then there were like. They believe there were like eight or ten or twelve others mm. parallel worlds that you could that you and their plan the Nazis' plan was to use the portal and go to each one of these worlds and take it over. Huh. Uh, and I'm of course I'm thinking how in the world are you going to do? Well, they sent teams in, and then these teams. Would would get their way into important jobs and things like that. Yeah, and that's how they would take over, you know, those worlds. And uh, so, but you know, it's fascinating. And even though I've kind of ruined it for uh, people, it's really <laughs> a uh, it's, it's really well done. And I left. I mean, you know, there's four seasons of it. It's got there's forty the, episodes. Yeah, it's not like you can't watch stuff, right? So. And there are a lot of details that you know, I left out. Otherwise, you know, we'd be doing this till next Wednesday. <laughs> there was a video I was looking for that I wanted to show you, but it, it, um, and just get your thoughts on. And I didn't find it right away, but I did find another one that I thought, Oh, you might want to see this. Cause last week we recorded on Tuesday. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday sure. I was going to be gone shooting some footage. Oh yeah. I meant to ask you about yeah. that. Do you want to see how it went? Do you want to see what we sure. finished? We finished the stuff and, and I, you know, I think our our um, faithful listeners, one of them being Jim, that's who I was with, so <laughs> so he'll he'll like it and you know, to be able to see it too. But um this was a video we did for a company called Future Inc. And uh they got to or they you know, this is uh big construction vehicles, so uh, really cool. I guess I'll just play it. Okay. And we'll switch Let's over. see it. Let's see if I hit the right button. That's Gabe. Gabe did this whole soundtrack. Very nice. If you guys are listening to this podcast right now, just enjoy this musical break, <laughs> or jump over, jump over to Spotify. Yeah, the the, the video is really really good. So we shot the first chunk of this stuff. In fact, everything to this point now it switches. Everything to that point was shot with a DJI Inspire Two, where you have a pilot and a camera off separate. And the rest of this stuff is shot with the DJI uh, Air S. Much smaller drone, but it costs a lot less. We can get a lot tighter and risk the drone. <laughs> Figure eight to 10,000. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> flying right through. Sweetness. Yeah. There was another drone there too that was a survey drone 
Really cool. Vertical takeoff, then it flips over and flies like a fixed wing. It's pretty neat. And I got to ride in one of those dump trucks. Oh, did you? I did. Those are those massive yeah. dump trucks. They are, yeah. The tires are. I used to have a, a toy one like that. <laughs> Dude, it was so amazing. That's the crew. Hmm. So, yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. So, you're obviously, you're happy with the way it turned out and i assume uh people that brought you down there they're happy with it also yeah that's what i sounds great that's what i go with if they're happy i'm happy (laughs) which they seem to be um in fact uh, his uh the client on that um had told told jim it was he'd waited his whole life to see that oh that's awesome it was that's awesome yeah and with that uh, very good, uplifting news, <laughs> we, we're going to change gears. <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, oh, with some breaking news. Uh-oh. This just coming out. If you are a Thunder fan watching us right now, I would suggest if you're not already sitting down, you should sit down. But before you sit down, you might want to go to the liquor cabinet. Wow. Pour yourself a stiff drink because there is some bad, bad news. Okay. Potentially, okay. anyway. I'm going to say, I'm going to take a guess because of just the level of which you're selling this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with. Now, let me just say this about that. No, no one is dead. No, I was okay? going to assume Nobody's that. dead. Just our hopes. and. But dreams. other than that. Right, our hopes, right. Um, okay. I was going to, okay, so it's, to me, the worst thing you could say right now, is it the worst thing you could say about what could potentially be? Can you think of something worse? Somebody being dead, I guess. Wow, that would be, so my guess is Sam Presti's leaving. Oh, no, 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 Because no, that no. would be the no. worst news to me. I get, well, that's true, I guess. Okay, so yeah. if it's not that, then something probably, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander's gone. No, that's wrong. But this, I don't know that you've wow. ever been twice wrong. Maybe I've oversold Well, this. I was going to say Josh Giddy was but, the next. Uh, no, no. Okay, well, then it's let's. It's Chet Holmgren. Oh, wow. Chet Holmgren. And, uh, that's probably okay. What happened? We, we uh, actually, this story came out earlier in the week. Uh, he was at an event up in Seattle. One of those uh, big basketball events with LeBron was there. Kevin Durant was there. It's one of these things that they have, a kind of an exhibition that they have during the offseason with some NBA stars and some draft picks. Paolo Bancaro was there also. And uh, there was a a bit of an incident because there were so many. The gym was over full. And it was in Seattle. And uh, it was a very kind of hot, humid day. And so there was some condensation on the court, and a lot mm. of guys were slipping. And I'm not sure if what has happened to Holmgren happened because of that or if there was something else, but I'm just guessing that it was probably a contributing factor. The original story that came out at the beginning of the week was that he had rolled an ankle and uh, he was taken out of the game as a precaution and all like this. But the report that initially came out was no big deal, just you know rolled his ankle, and uh, you know not we don't we don't think it's serious. Well, that opinion has changed. Mm. Uh, this is from uh, actually there are several people now trying to report on uh, on uh, some of this. This is from NBC, but uh, Shams Sharania of the Athletic who has sources deep, probably as, deeply as, embedded as, in the as NBA. good as God <laughs> right. uh, when it comes to the NBA. But here's, here's what's on NBC. 
There's not a lot of information at this point, such as the treatment plan, whether it's rest or surgery, and how long it might take. It's also unclear when it happened. However, Holmgren participated in the crossover Pro-Am last week in Seattle. On one play, he was backpedaling, defending LeBron James in transition, and after the play, Holmgren came up limping. Uh, The coach quickly took him out of the game, and later the word was he had tweaked his ankle on the play. There wasn't a lot of contact on the LeBron play, and Holmgren could have injured his foot in other workouts, but this may have been when it occurred. They now fear that uh, he has torn some ligaments in his foot. Mm. If that truly is the case, he probably is going to miss the majority, if not all, of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some other players who have, suffered, you know, Kevin Durant suffered a, yeah. a serious injury to his foot and he was out an entire season, yeah. basically. See, this is the thing. And this is why I was never excited about Chet. This is one of the reasons. Because big men like him... This is a they they have these injuries these tall lanky dudes you mentioned Kevin Durant tall lanky guys yeah they don't have the durability because of their build well and that was uh, you know that was kind of my fear about Holmgren also yeah. you know I mean he's tremendously talented but he's you know except for being massively tall he's a beanpole right. he's really really skinny and he's defending LeBron James for right. crying out loud right. It was, you know, about 6'9", 280, and runs a like a gazelle. Yeah. And uh, and he's backpedaling yeah. on a slippery surface. Mm. So that's not a real good that's not a real good combination there. Well and that is you know what? I'm just glad that's what it is. Not for him, of course, but I'm just saying that nobody's dead, yeah. Well, right. not just I, that, but I the agree, way you I sold agree. it, I'm like, I mean, cause cause yeah, Chet. Chet was a first-round, you know, he's a lottery pick. I get this. Number two overall No, I pick. get it. I get it. But he's still a rookie. And and you have, you saw this developing team underneath him, and and I, I think he'll still learn about, you know, if he sits out the whole season, I think he'll still he'll, learn a ton. Sure. And maybe, just maybe, this is like red-shirting a freshman well, in college. Well, that's true. I mean, that's right. That's it absolutely could be, true. It could be better That's absolutely him. true. The other, I mean, you know, I don't want to be... I'm Mr. Brightside over here. I don't want to be Debbie Downer. That okay? sounds like you do. I well, I don't really want to, but I, <laughs> you know, there are. I I like to be kind of like Fox. I try to be fair and balanced here. <laughs> okay. And your bright side is absolutely correct. He will learn a lot of things and all like this. But he may not ever, ever play for the Thunder. <laughs> I know. Because th- this is an injury that is difficult to, re- if it, if right. this is what it is, yeah. if it's torn ligaments in his foot, mm-hmm. this is a very difficult injury to recover from. Uh, and he, he may never be the same. Right. I mean, it's also a possibility he could turn out to be better than he was. Right. It, it you know, everybody's different when it comes to things like this, but you know, you remember Greg well, Oden. Well, and look Greg at Greg Oden, who was drafted, you know, well, that, Last year, yeah, the Thunder were one. in Seattle was number one. Kevin Durant was number two. Right. And Greg Oden was a a no-brainer of a pick at number one. Mm-hmm. He gets hurt and never was yeah. the player. Well, even Andre he, Robertson, when, as he was finally right, developing. Right, that's exactly right. I mean, this kid was solid as a rock, great defender, finally becoming an offensive threat, even from three. And, you know, he kept that that same season he got hurt. He kept cutting underneath the basket for the first time ever. He started these cuts and would have these, you know, couldn't still make a free throw. But, you know, all of that right. said, right. Uh, he never returned. Right. And then you can all, you to go back to your Mr. Optimistic, Mr. Right. Sunshine, <laughs> you can go to Russ's injury. That's right. Which certainly derailed the Thunder that season. Had he not been hurt, I really believe they would have won the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the year after, you know, 2011, the Miami thing. Mm-hmm. But they were going great guns, were playing great. Russ gets the injury because Patrick, uh, <laughs> yes, and enemy number one in Oklahoma City, Patrick <laughs> Beverly, 
hits him, and he. Go, but Russ has that surgery and comes back better than ever. Right. You know that I think it was the year he came back, he won the MVP award, right? <laughs> and all the you know set the triple double record and all like that. And it was an ACL or something, and, wasn't it? Uh, an MCL, MCL uh, but still I though, I mean, right. it's a knee injury. And when you're as athletic as Russ is, there was always a doubt that, mm -hmm. well, you know, he's never going to be yeah. the same. And that was right. He's not the same. He was <laughs> better. better. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know what? I'll go to a guy, uh, who's, who pitches now for the Houston Astros, Justin Berlander, mm. who's an old guy. I mean, in baseball terms, he's 39 years old, which in baseball terms is like a dinosaur. Right. Uh, and he had Tommy John surgery, missed all of last season. And that can be, and you know, now, you know, they have made progress with that surgery and a lot of guys come back. But, you know, they're saying, well, you know, he's 39 years old now and uh, he'll, he'll be lucky to approach, you know, what he had been. Mm-hmm. Well, Justin Berlander this season is 16 and 3 with a 1.80 earned run average. Wow. And uh, he threw He's last the next night. Nolan. Last night, he threw six innings of no hit ball against the Minnesota Twins. And he will likely win the Cy Young Award, his third Cy Young Award in the yes. American League this year. Wow. So he's come back, arguably, as good as, if not better, hmm. than he had been. And so there's all kinds of, you know, everybody's different. There's all kinds of, but it sure lets the air out of the balloon with the thunder because everybody was so excited about Holmgren mm -hmm. and uh, getting to training camp and getting into the season and seeing what this guy could do paired with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy and, and those guys. Mm -hmm. And now that's, not going to happen, certainly not going to happen, you know, the beginning of the season. Um, and really, if he has surgery, he's going to miss he's the He's going to miss year. the whole season. Yeah. He'll, he'll miss the whole season. I remember there was a little bit, I think there was a little bit of a debate about Durant. Should he have surgery or should he just, you know, let it heal? Mm -hmm. And they ended up going for the the surgery. surgery. I think too, I will just say this. I think Chet's age will benefit him greatly. Yeah. In this. You know, Kevin Durant was a few years older, probably quite a bit older, five or six years older at least. Yeah. Probably. Cause Chet's only 19. Yeah. I, I think. So and I think KD at the time was probably 25 or something like that. Yeah. 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 But and still, I mean, that's a young guy. It's a young guy, but in, in, in these terms, it's a huge difference. I mean, I know you're look right. At, you know, like my older boys, it's shocking the difference between 18 and 23 right. when it comes to your no, body. You're, abs and so, you're absolutely right. So I think, you know, we could, I, well, you know, I'm what? not even trying to be optimistic. I just kind of have this feeling that this might be a blessing in disguise. Well, here's the other, here's the other thing too. And I, this is on Mr. Sunshine. It's not, <laughs> not Debbie Downer here without Chet Holmgren. I mean, if he was going to be as good as they think he was going to be. Right. The team was going to be at least decent yeah. and where they're probably not going to be in the same lottery position as they were this season. A lot of people were thinking, well, geez, you know, they would have the potential. They could win 35 games, maybe something like that, which you might probably and probably would still be in the lottery. Yeah. But you'd be more like instead of one or two or three, you're looking at maybe 12, 13, 14. Right. You know, somewhere in there. Well, without. Chet Holmgren, they may be back in the running for that one, two, or three yeah. spot. And so, you know, you ended up with the number two pick this summer. You could have a number one, two, or three pick next summer. Yeah. And I, so that's another, uh, uh, you know, that's just I mean, another way of looking at it. the fact that we haven't tipped off one, one uh, game of even preseason basketball. Right, that's right. Anything can happen. Training camp is training camp is September twenty seventh, and I, but you know we'll see. But from what I'm seeing here, it looks, it looks like he's probably torn a ligament or maybe a couple in his foot, and that if if they're torn, there's definitely going to be surgery. If they're just a serious ligament sprain, may not need to have surgery, but there'll be a significant 
recovery. Recovery sure. because it's your foot. I mean, you know, you gotta. You use it a lot. You, yeah, you tend to In use basketball, it. Basketball, it's a pretty prominent. It's pretty feature. prominent. It's pretty prominent. And I mean, guys uh, so, can play with a broken nose all day long. Right. Exactly. They use a big plastic face shield. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's the word on Chet Holmgren. We should find out probably in a couple of days, maybe next week, knowing the thunder, maybe next month. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't look good right, right now for Chet Holmgren. All right. Hate to leave it on that kind of a note, but I guess we will. And uh, that'll do it for us on this Wednesday. Stay with us. We'll be back again a week from today. Hopefully, cross your fingers. <laughs> I'm Randy Renner. And I am Jeremy Griffin. And unless we're in a parallel universe, we'll be right here next time for another edition of Scatter Shooting.